0: Legend has it that Martin Luther was walking home on a dark December evening when he was struck by the beauty of the starlight that was coming through the branches of many of the fir trees in the woods that surrounded his home. The German Protestant reformer of the 16th century, in fact, was so captivated by the way that the filter light appeared that he felt moved to duplicate this effect on the tree that he had placed in his home. For the Christmas season. So he tied a candle holder onto one of the evergreen branches and put a candle in the wooden holder and he lit it. Well, walking to the opposite side of the tree, he studied the flickering light. He liked the effect and he attached several more candles in the same way. Sounds like a firefighter's nightmare, doesn't it? <laughs> Not only was the preacher's family impressed, so were his neighbors. So a host of them added candles to their own indoor trees and the tradition of a lighted tree was born. Luther taught his friends and his family that the tree represented the everlasting love of God. He pointed out that the evergreen's color did not fade just as God's love would not fade, no matter what the circumstance or what the trial. The candlelight represented the hope of Christ And the hope that Christ brought to the world through his birth and his resurrection. Thus, to those who knew Luther, the lighted tree evolved into a symbol not just of Christmas, but of faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that event, we today have lit Christmas trees in our homes and all around town and even in our churches. Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well. My name's Todd Cullen. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you I don't know, I'm glad you're here this morning. And it's December 1st, and they say that I can say this this morning, so I will. Merry Christmas. Hope you're doing well, and I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Um, I just want to say to those who are listening on our podcast, a special welcome. Glad that you're here this morning. Um, Today's message is a bit of a message of a different kind. It's a bit of an introductory message um, that will really help set the stage for the next three weeks plus Christmas Eve as we kick off this series called Everlasting Light. And we're going to be focusing on uh, the fact that God sent Jesus to be the everlasting light that has come into our world. Now, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to turn to John chapter 1. We're going to take a look at five different verses with a specific look at the fifth verse there in John chapter 1. And John chapter 1 is probably one of um, really kind of the uh, most important passages those first few verses in all of Scripture and we're going to be taking a look specifically at verse 5 today as we talk about Jesus being the light of the world. As always, when you came in, you received notes, although the notes are a little bit different today. Um, you can also get on our website and our, you can download our app. We have a free Wi-Fi here so you can follow the notes on our website or on the app. But before we get started today, I'm going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer as we dedicate these next few minutes uh, to God. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, just on the heels of thanksgiving, I just want to reiterate, and I'm reminded of how thankful we are um, for your provision in our lives. God, more than that, we're thankful for the spiritual provisions that you give us each and every day. God, we're thankful that you sent your Son Jesus Christ as we just sang about and as Cynthia prayed about to be the redemption of mankind for our sins and for that we're thankful and God I pray that you would be with us today I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us into truth and into knowledge and into understanding of your word And God, while today is an introductory message, I pray that it would be applicable to our lives. And God, that's your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I pray that you would pierce our hearts, search us. And God, I pray for those who are Christ followers. I pray that you would allow us this Christmas season to be ever aware of the life-changing light that you came to this world to bring us. God, I pray that we wouldn't take Christmas for granted, but that we would celebrate it like we should. And God, I pray for those who walked in here today who may be doubters or skeptics or maybe on the fence in terms of what they believe about you and what they believe about Christmas. God, I pray that you would pierce their hearts and God, that they would come to a place where they put their trust in you. Thank you, Father, for what you did so long ago under a stable, in a manger. And God, I pray that we would be hit this Christmas season with the reality of what you were doing with mankind. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When we think of Christmas, we think of light, don't we? Christmas is really synonymous with light, just like Martin Luther loved seeing that picture of light. And as it represented the light that God sent Jesus to be. And perhaps we have Martin Luther to thank for our remembrance of light. And certainly that story about how the lit evergreen tree was birthed is evidence of the fact that light and Christmas are synonymous. That's what we think of as we drive around this time of year. We see light everywhere. We see it in the stores. We see it in churches. We see it outdoors. We see it indoors. We see it in our homes. Light is everywhere, but light was not always synonymous with this time of year. It's not always been the case. In fact, there was a period of time when darkness was associated with December and this time of year much more than light. It's really simple, it's actually very scientific. The axle tilt of the earth and the gyroscopic effects of the planet's d- daily rotation keep the axis of the rotation pointed at the same point in the sky as the earth follows its orbit around the sun the same hemisphere that faced away from the sun experiencing winter will in a half year face towards the sun experiencing summer since the two hemispheres face opposite directions along that planetary pole as one polar hemisphere experiences winter the other experiences summer but you didn't come for a science explanation this morning did you You came to church to hear what the Bible says about God sending the everlasting light into the world. Well, the result of this scientific planetary effect is the fact that at some point in time on December 21st and 22nd each year, here in the northern hemisphere, we experience the darkest day of the year. We have a point in time in a 24-hour period of time where it's darker than any other point in time throughout the year. And it's called the winter solstice or the southern solstice since it's the time in which the sun is at the southernmost point in the sky. Over the years, this time of year and this point in time each year has been referred to as midwinter or the longest night or the shortest day. But regardless of what it's called, it brought with it the darkest day of night. And it brought with it darkness each day after December 21st and 22nd gets brighter and brighter until in the northern hemisphere we reach the summer solstice, the brightest day of the year, sometime in June twenty through 21st. It's interesting because in early civilizations, this day of the year ushered in a time of fear because without many of the modern conveniences that technology offers, the darkness and the cold of the coming winter months often resulted in starvation and even death. Thus, celebrations in early civilizations began to evolve, centered, around the winter solstice. Some of them included celebrating the coming of light, but more often than not, these celebrations evolved into pagan religious rituals centered around darkness and death and evil. Even today, many people in the Northern Hemisphere participate in pagan and evil celebrations that while they anticipate the coming of life and light, at the same time, they revel in darkness and in evil and in death. It's interesting, scholars tell us that there's over 30 different celebrations that even take place today that have been identified identified celebrating this dark day. And without going into details, these rituals include drunkenness, revelry, and in past generations even involved some kind of pagan animal or even human sacrifice. You see, the darkest day of the year centered around for millennium polytheistic and pagan rituals. Late December for many millennium was not known for darkness. It was not known for light. It was really and truly known for darkness. But like Martin Luther and many other Christians before him of the early centuries of the church, they desired to counter these pagan rituals by celebrating light both literally and figuratively. It was John Christosom, the early church father of the 4th century, who was one of the first to favor the idea of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, the one that we're going to talk about in a minute that brought light into the world because he wanted to counter the idea of darkness and evil and of death that had been celebrated during this time of year for so long. Jesus was probably not born on December 25th. I know I probably just disappointed a lot of you. But Jesus probably wasn't born on December 25th. There are some scholars that might make a case for it, but most scholars would say that he was probably born sometime in the fall or maybe even in the spring. Most scholars believe that he was born probably sometime in the spring. In the early centuries of the church, when the Gospels were written, in the first century of the church when the Gospel was written, the date of someone's birth was not nearly as important as the date of their death. So if you grew up in the first century, you might not even celebrate your birthday each year. But when you die, people would celebrate that time of death. Isn't that a happy thought? So we don't have in Scripture any uh, date that's associated or time of year that's associated with Jesus' birth. More importantly, we have a detailed explanation from the Gospels as to how that happened because the birth of Jesus Christ was so incredibly divinely appointed and miraculous. That's what God inspired Matthew and Mark and Luke and John as they wrote those Gospels to focus on. Christmas season and the celebration of lights, as time went on in that early 1st and 2nd and 3rd century, became a tradition of those early church leaders to combat the pagan rituals that were typically going on during this time of year. And so they chose December 25th to celebrate the fact that God sent Jesus to this world to be the everlasting light for us and for our sins. And so light shines in the darkness, always. And light wins out over darkness, always. We aren't the only religion that celebrates light during this time of year. Our our Jewish friends have been celebrating light in the midst of darkness for thousands of years. In fact, about 160 years before Jesus' birth, an event took place among Jewish people that caused them to celebrate the light of God similarly to how we celebrate the light of Christ today. Alexander the Great ruled for many years and did so with a relatively benevolent rule, but his successor was not so benevolent. And he began to stamp out other religions and other beliefs. In fact, he oppressed the Jews severely, desecrating their temple, massacring Jews, and prohibiting the practice of the Jewish religion. But there was a band of Jews called the Maccabees who led a revolt against the evil ruler and his followers. He sent thousands of well-armed troops to crush this rebellion, the Maccabee Rebellion, but the Maccabees succeeded in driving out these foreigners from their land. According to historical accounts, Jewish fighters entered Jerusalem in December 164 B.C. The Holy Temple, the Jewish Religious Center, was absolutely in shambles, defiled and desecrated by these foreign Soldiers. Well, the Maccabees cleansed the temple and rededicated it on the 25th day of their Jewish month, Kislev, which we're celebrating right now in this period of time during the year. When it came to relight the menorah, that multi branch lampstand, they searched the entire temple but could only find one small jar of oil bearing the pure seal of the high priest. Miraculously, that jar of oil burned for eight days straight until a new supply of oil could be delivered. From then on, Jews everywhere have observed a holiday for eight days in honor of this historic victory and the miracle of the oil. And the observance of Hanukkah began, featuring lights and lighting of special Hanukkah menorahs with eight branches, adding one new candle of each night. Hanukkah became known as the Festival of Lights. So December for Christians and even Jewish people became a time where we celebrate light, the light of God for us as Christ followers, the light of God through Christ, the real light of the earth. And as much as we try to celebrate light in our efforts, maybe altruistic and pure, the fact that God delivered Jesus to be the light to break the darkness is the ultimate and purest form. We celebrate light during this time of year not just because we want an alternate to pagan celebrations of darkness and not just because of the miracle of the Jewish people, but because Christmas is the celebration of light. Because God sent His Son, Jesus, to be the everlasting light to redeem the darkness of sin that existed in the world. You see, light shines in the darkness always. Always. Light wins over darkness always. The gospel writer John was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words in John 1, 1 through 5. I want you to take a look at these words this morning. Some of you are going to be following along in your Bible. Some of you can follow on the screens here. We're going to take a look at this and we're going to study verse 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John here is establishing the fact that God and Jesus existed together, two parts of the Trinity of the Godhead from the beginning of time in the very beginning. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, talking about creation, and without him was not anything made that was made. And verse 4 says, in him was life and life was the light of men. And the verse that I want to focus on for these next four weeks is verse number 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. I want you to say light shines in darkness with me because that's what I want you to remember on three. You ready? Light shines in darkness on three. One, two, three. Light shines in darkness. That's what the phrase that I want you to remember throughout this holiday season, throughout this Christmas season, because that's the promise of true, ultimate, and pure everlasting light. The fact that God sent Jesus to be the light of the world. You see, most of the time when we focus on this passage, we focus correctly on the fact that God and Jesus are one, that he is the word, the word logos means word, that he was with God from the beginning of creation. But this Christmas, I want us to focus on verse number five, the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The word for light that John uses there is phos in Greek. It's where we get photo or photosynthesis from, and it literally means I want you to capture this it literally means the source of light. It doesn't mean light that comes from something else, it literally means the source of light. We'll talk about that in a few weeks, in the weeks to come. The word shine there, light, the source of light shines in the darkness. Is called skotia, and it means the absence absence of light. Excuse me, darkness means the absence of life. So light shines, the very essence, the very source of light shines. We'll come back to shines in a minute. In the darkness, skotia, and it means the absence of light altogether. Total darkness, and if you really look into the meaning, it really means evil. So John here is saying that the very source of light shines in a place where light does not exist. And we have to face the reality that our world around us is completely dark, isn't it? If you focus on any kind of news stories, if you watch what goes on in the world around us, if you uh, pay attention to what is happening, it is really complete darkness. But the promise that we have is that the light shines in that darkness. The word shine is from a Greek word, phineos, and it means to appear or to become known. And so, John, in some way, is saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is coming to be the everlasting light, to pierce through the darkness and to become known as the one who is the true source of light. John Wolverood once wrote about John's words here. He was a theologian. He was one of the former presidents of Dallas Theological Seminary. And he wrote this. He said, Light's nature is to shine and to dispel darkness. Darkness is almost personified, he says in this verse. Darkness is unable to overpower the light. And Wolverood goes on and says, By this, John summarizes his gospel record in three ways. Number one, light will invade the dominion of darkness. You see, that's what God was doing by sending Jesus to come to this earth. He was sending a light to invade a dark world. In fact, the everlasting light to invade the dark world. Secondly, Wolverood says that Satan, the ruler, and his subjects will resist the light, but they will be unable to frustrate its power. And thirdly, he says the word Jesus will be victorious in spite of opposition. You see, light shines in darkness always. Light wins over darkness always. As many of you know, um, I'm from Atlanta. I grew up in Atlanta. And I grew up in one of those typical Atlanta homes, you know, two stories with a basement. And my room was on the back side of the house, and I had two windows that came in the room. So when I went to sleep at night, um, there was a lot of ambient light that came in through those windows. And there was a lot of ambient light that came in from un- underneath the door. Well, um, when, when I was about in eighth grade or ninth grade, I had a sleepover at my friend's house. His name was Mark Skydema. Mark's still a friend today. He's actually in church work now. And uh, Mark, I, Mark and I had, a, I had a sleepover at Mark's house. And um, we, I went over to his house, and we ordered some pizza. Um, we, we ordered it from Little Caesars. That's where we ordered pizza from. And we watched a couple movies, I think 007 James Bond movies, with he and his parents. And we had popcorn. We had a really wild time. So anyway, it was just a great sleepover. So... Um, we had a good time, and then it was time to, to go to sleep, but Mark had to get up early in the morning because he had this little business where um, he did people's yards around the house, and so he went to his room, and he went to sleep, and I went down in the basement to the Skydema's guest room down in the basement. Now, my house, um, we had a basement too, but it was kind of unfinished, or at least part of it was unfinished, and um, I didn't really like it down there, didn't spend much time down there, but I went down to the Skydema's basement guest room, and they didn't have any windows in this basement guest room and I close the door and I turn out the light next to the bed and I never experienced the kind of darkness that I experienced down in that basement that night. Have you ever experienced something like that? Like the kind of darkness where you literally like put your hand in front of your face where you can't even focus. I can't even focus that close. But you put your hand in front of your face and you literally in the middle of the night cannot see your hand. That's dark, isn't it? And I remember that night um, reaching down, and I um, this was back in the 1980s. So it was back in the day before like a lot of lit gizmos and iPhones and smartphones and that sort of thing. We would all pull our smartphones out and push the flashlight today, right? But I pulled out a watch, and it was one of those watches that had the little hands and the face that kind of glowed in the dark. I think it was a Swatch. Do any of you remember Swatch Watches? Okay, great. I think they made a comeback a few years ago. But I had my watch out, and that little bit of light that was provided by that face and those little hands there lit up the whole room in that dark basement. And I realized that day what light does to darkness. Light shines in darkness always. Light wins over darkness always. Always. It's a theologian by the name of D.A. Carson and he said this about light and darkness. He said, light and darkness are not simply opposites. Darkness, as we just studied, is literally nothing other than the absence of light. You see, we live in a world that has the absence of light. But God so wanted to redeem you and I that he sent Jesus as a little baby to be the one that would be everlasting light. I love how several different translations have this verse. The New Living Translation says, the light shines in darkness, they all have that the same, and the darkness can never extinguish it. It's like one of those candles, you know, the birthday candles that like you keep blowing on it and it comes back. It never extinguishes it. The International Version says the darkness never puts it out. You see, light shines in the darkness. It always does. It always will. Light always wins over darkness. Well, so what? So what? What does it matter? You've heard a little science lesson and two history lessons this morning. What does it really matter that light shines darkness, and light always wins over darkness. Why is that important to us this morning? Well, first of all, I think it helps set up the stage for the next three weeks and for Christmas Eve. Broadly, now, we have a basis for understanding what Jesus did. He illuminated a dark world. And as we go along, we'll have more in-depth study and more in-depth application. For instance, how the light of Christ shines on our past and exposes our sin I know some of you will be so excited to come back next week for that. But we'll also find out how not only exposes our sin, but it covers our sin. More about that next week. We also will discover who we are in Christ because of the light of Christ has such an implication on our lives that it should by its very nature have an implication on others' lives. How our light is our future. How God's light is our future. And without Him, we will experience total darkness in our future. But with Him, we can experience light in our future. And finally, on Christmas Eve, how the everlasting light was intended to shine for everyone. But why is it important that we associate the Christmas season with everlasting light? The light of God through Christ. Well, I believe there are two personal applications for us to make this morning the first one is for you who call yourselves christ followers for those of you who are christians who believe that god sent jesus and you've put your faith and your trust in him and you've confessed your sins you see we can get sucked into the stream of the over commercialization of christmas very easily can't we i mean we can show up and be a part of the mob scene at some of the big box stores if we're not careful right We can be like Snoopy on the Peanuts Christmas decorating his little dog house or like Clark Griswold decorating his house falling down the ladder. We can get caught up in it because it's all around us, isn't it? We can go to that extreme, but you know what? It's real tempting for those of you who are Christ followers to go to the other extreme, to be Scrooge and say bah humbug to the whole thing. It drives me crazy. There's too much traffic. There's too much commercialization. It's born out of some kind of pagan ritual. For those of you who are Christ followers, the fact that God sent Jesus to be the light in our world is reason for us to celebrate, not to bemoan the fact. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, but let's celebrate the fact that God loved Humanity so much that he chose to send Jesus to this world to be our Redeemer. We should celebrate that. When we're driving around town and we see lights, we should remember the light of Christ. When we're driving by the outlets slowly at 10 miles an hour, watching the lights in front of us, we should celebrate the fact that God came to redeem us and the person that's driving crazy in front of you. When our family stays too long and eats too much of our food, we should remember that God came to be the light of the world and we should celebrate that. Let's not go to an extreme because you see light always shines in the darkness and light wins over darkness. But I think that today's message may beg another response, an application. And that's for those of you who have been on the fence about Jesus. Maybe you're in here today and you've been on the fence, maybe for a while, about what you believe about Jesus. And maybe something that was said or something that you saw or something that was sung today kind of made you think that perhaps the Christmas story is actually true. Or maybe there's something going on inside of you, even right now, that's causing your heart to beat a little faster, your palms to get sweaty, because you know for a fact that God sent Jesus to be the everlasting light, and you've never put your trust, your eternal hope in Him. See, perhaps today is the day that you finally realize and say yes to Jesus, to say yes to the fact that he came as a baby to eventually die for our sins, and to take away not just the darkness of the world, but to take away your sins, and to take away your darkness, and to give you a hope for the future. Maybe today for you is the day when you finally say yes to the everlasting light. And maybe today is the day that you realize that light does, in fact, shine in the darkness always, and that light wins out over darkness always. Father God, I pray that you would be with us here in these next few moments. And God, I pray that you would allow, that we would allow you to make application in our life from the fact that we know that Jesus came to be the light of the world. For the Christ follower who may be here and they have the tendency for good reason to bemoan the fact that Christmas has become over-commercialized, too busy, too hectic, too crowded, too celebratory. Oh God, I pray that you would help us to realize that we absolutely have reason to celebrate the fact that you broke through the darkness. That you brought light into the world. That you lit the path for eternity with you in heaven by sending your son to a cross to die. Help us, Father, to be reminded of that, those of us who are Christ followers, that this Christmas season, we should celebrate. In fact, we should lead the way in celebrating the fact that you came to die for us. Father God, I pray with those who are here today who may have been skeptical, they may be doubting, God, I pray that today would be the day that they would put their trust in you for eternity. May they come today to the point of decision and putting their faith in the everlasting light. 1 John 4, 4 says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God loved the world, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him see, the Bible's clear that God sent Jesus to be the everlasting light for our world, for you and for me. And that he died for our sins, for the redemption of mankind. But you can make that personal today by believing in your heart that Jesus died and rose again. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. So if you're here this morning and you came in doubting and something has happened over the last 20 or 30 minutes or last hour, and something may have changed in your mind and in your heart and in your thinking, I want to invite you to become a Christ follower. And I want to invite you to say this prayer. It's a simple prayer and you can repeat it in your heart. You don't have to repeat it out loud. But I want to invite you To ask Jesus to be your Savior and pray a prayer something like this. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to be the everlasting light. Thank you that you won out over darkness. Today, I admit that I have sin and I have failure. And today, I believe that you, Jesus, died for my sin and died for my failure. Today, I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. If you prayed that prayer along with me in the quietness of this room, in the quietness of your heart, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand up or come down. I'm going to ask you with all heads bowed and all eyes closed just to look up at me for a moment. If you prayed that prayer, I'm just going to ask you to look up at me for just a moment. Anyone else this morning that prayed that prayer this morning? Anyone else this morning? I want you to just keep looking at me if you prayed that prayer this morning. It's the most important decision that you've ever made. Because it's a decision for eternity. You now have the hope of heaven because of that decision that you made. I'm so glad that you made that decision. I want to encourage you this morning, those of you who are looking at me, I want to encourage you to do something. That connection card that you received when you came in, at the bottom of that, there's a place for your name, an email, and a place for you to mark on there that you made a decision for Christ. I want to encourage you to tear that off, fill it out, and after the service is over this morning, just walk it back, To the guest service desk carries back there and she wants to she wants to take that from you so that we can pray for you and she wants to hand you a bible that will help you in your new journey with god okay so i want to encourage you to do that right now father god thank you so much for these who have made decisions for you god i thank you for your church and what you're doing in our community and through hilton head island community church but most of all god i'm so thankful that you sent Jesus to be the everlasting light, to be the redemption for our sins. And God, we rejoice and we give you the praise and you the glory and you the honor that light shines in the darkness always and that light wins over darkness always. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.